You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. You know what I can't stand about church? It's the singing. Yeah, they start singing their worship songs, and they kind of want me to get excited and all fired up. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not an emotional guy. I'm just not. My goodness, that's huge. That's like all the way to Mars. That's because you're hitting from the girls' tee, you dink. I mean, that whole raising your hand thing, I just wouldn't do that in public. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Shoot the ball. Come on. Whoa. Well, step back and Jay is cast. That's good. That's good. That means I'm good. Guy makes one shot and thinks he's cool. You know, there's always that moment where they're singing and they want me to be louder and I'm just not like that. That's that's not the kind of person I am. I'm more of the quiet type. Look at this. Look what you did to your car. Yeah, it's not that bad. Not that bad? I thought, okay, the tree popped out of nowhere. Popped out of nowhere, did it? Yeah, about 300 years ago. You got parts falling off of the car? Your mom bought this car. She worked hard to get this car. And look, you treat it like it's a like it's nothing. Give me the keys. Fine. Give me the keys. This car's mine. You know what I'm going to do with this? I'm going to pretend I'm Jeff Gordon. I'm going to run up and down the drive. You believe it? I mean, I got to do this every Sunday. I know. It's crazy, these people. Surely no one in this room can relate, right? Let me ask you, have you ever met a worship naysayer? Have you ever met someone and they ask you, why are they so expressive at your church when they worship? Is, is, it really, is all of this really necessary when they worship? I mean, uh, or, or maybe uh, you encounter people and they would say, um, I, I just don't, I don't get it. I mean, expressive worship, is that, really, is that really biblical? You know, for some, expressive worship is very um, questionable. Uh, and it's actually very uncomfortable for some people. Um, other people would actually ask the question, is it really, really necessary to worship that way? And then there are those who are just, they're just so uncomfortable with it that they actually avoid the issue. And they say this, um, I'm just going to show up a little late. I'll get there just as the singing portion stops, and then I'll slip in for the message because I just don't want to do all that. Have you ever met people like that? I want to tell you that in my 35 years of ministry, I have. These are real. These are common occurrences where people would say, I don't get it. Uh, They have questions. Is it biblical? Uh, They avoid. I've, I've encountered people who have told me, you know, we just sit out in the lobby until the worship part's over, that singing part, and then we come in and we hear the message. It really happens. And in response to this, I want to say that as fully devoted followers of Christ, we must understand that worship is a vital and necessary part of our spiritual development, our spiritual formation. Worship actually assists us in our own spiritual growth. And get this, as a spirit-filled, spirit-led church, worship is a vital and necessary part of who we are. 
There's something that happens when we worship together and in our private worship. There's something that happens in a spiritual realm where when we open up the heavens with our worship and we declare who God is, we call out who He is, we sing out who He is, there's something that happens uh, in our own hearts, in our own minds, in our own spirits. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly, things that were hardened are softened and there's a change that begins to happen in us simply because we worship. The goal of our worship is to create an atmosphere where God's presence and God's power is experienced and manifest. Psalm 22, 3 says, uh, and this is my paraphrase, it tells us that God's presence follows our praise. Let me say that again. God's presence follows our praise. So in other words... um, When we come together, when we worship, our praise actually ushers in the power of God. And it's the power of God that transforms us, that changes us. Again, it's that work of the spirit that we allow, that we open ourselves up to uh, as we as we worship. I was talking to someone after the last service and he was talking about last weekend and he said something happened to me in worship. He said, and as we were worshiping, I experienced some things in my heart. And he said, it set in motion for the rest of the morning and the rest of the day of what God wanted to do in me. And that's the kind of thing that happens when we worship. So in case you can't already tell today, I want to take time to talk to you about expressive worship. I want to take some time to talk to you about, and my my hope and my desire in doing this is that we could better understand why we worship the way we do. And it's important because the depth of our worship is determined by our understanding of God's call to worship. Let me say that again. The depth of our worship is determined by our understanding of God's call to worship. And God calls us to a kind of worship that involves us engaging our entire being in our worship experience. I want you to read with me a passage from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It's there in your notes. We're going to read it together when I say go. Are you ready? Let's go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So in this verse, Paul is urging us, he's encouraging us that we would offer ourselves our entire being to him as a surrender. And that in doing so, in offering our entire self, our bodies, that it is a spiritual act of worship. But how does that happen? What does it look like? How do we offer our bodies? What does it mean to be a spiritual act of worship through these bodies? Well, I think, first of all, the most natural way is through our lifestyle. That we live a lifestyle that is so reflective of Jesus Christ that it is actually a lifestyle of worship. That everything we do exalts God. It honors God. And so as people see us, they actually see us worshiping God. Not necessarily by what we say, but how they see us live our lives. That's one way. But another way is we offer our bodies by offering our God-given instruments of worship. God has given all of us a set of worship instruments that are built into our body. And so with it in mind, with this very thing in mind, this morning, I want to take the time to look at eight biblical expressions of worship. 
I want to look at eight biblical expressions of worship. We're going to look express at eight expressions of worship broken into three categories. We're going to look at uh, expressions of worship that are first associated with our voice. And then we're going to look at expressions of worship that are associated with our posture. And then we're going to look at expressions of worship that are associated with our hands. And as we walk through this, I'm just going to kind of do a similar uh, pattern all the way through. What we're going to do is we're going to first identify the expression of worship. What is the expression of worship? And then uh, we're going to say, well, what does the Bible say about it? I think that's really important. What, what does the Bible say? You're going to find that in your teaching notes, there are multiple scriptures by each expression. We're going to look at one, only one today for the sake of time. We're going to actually read those together. But I would encourage you while at home that you would take the time to do your own personal extended Bible study. And you would look at these verses so that you can experience more in your worship. So we're going to identify the expression. We're going to look at what the Bible says. And then we're going to say practically, what does it look like in, uh, and what does it look like in our worship? And then I'm going to try to model it for you as much as I can. So uh, let, me, let me say this before I move on into it. The message that you hear me today teach will possibly be one of the simplest, uh, the most practical messages that you've ever heard me teach. And I say that without any apology whatsoever. Listen, it's going to be simple and it's going to be very practical. Um, here's why I believe it's so important. Over the past weeks... As a church, something different has been occurring in our worship times. I'm hearing this from more and more and more people. I'm not soliciting this, but I'm hearing conversation about what's happening in worship. And it's not pure emotionalism, but there's an encounter with God that's been happening in our worship time. I don't know if you remember, but at the beginning of the year, um, I spoke the word about more, that God is calling us to more as a people, uh, that we would go deeper and deeper and deeper and that our spiritual growth would be exponential. And so in that, um, this morning, I would say that uh, the, the purpose of this message is to continue to take us deeper and deeper so that we would continue not to just live off of what we've experienced for the past several weeks, but we would find ourselves having a, an encounter with Jesus, both in our private worship times, but when we gather at church. Because when we do, there is a power that is manifest, and that's where the transformation takes place. So, and now that you know where I'm going, you know the roadmap. Is everybody on board? Okay? Give me a nod of the head if you're on board. Okay, so you're still awake. I know lunchtime is soon, but let's, let's do this. So here's what we want to do. I want to begin by looking at four expressions of worship that are associated uh, with our voice. And the first of these four is speaking as an expression of worship. Yes, speaking as an expression of worship. So first, what does the Bible say about speaking as an expression of worship? Um, I want you to read. It's going to come up on the screens. I want you to read with me Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Are you ready? Let's go. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Here's what it's saying. Speak praises to God. Fruit of lips. Speak praises to God. Use your lips. Speak praises to God. Practically speaking, um, speaking is, is, a, is a pretty simple concept. We use our mouth and we use our voice and we form words and we speak it out. Right? So if we take that over to worship, in our worship we do the same. We use our mouth and we use our voice and we begin to speak out words about God, who God is, and we speak those words to God. 
We begin to proclaim to God, not because he doesn't know, but it's a revelation of us not understanding who God is. So we begin to use our mouth, we use our voice, and we speak words about God to God. And also praise is speaking words about God to other people when we proclaim his greatness to other people. So uh, oftentimes when I talk about this, and I've taught this message in other places before, um, people will say, I- I'm not sure what I ought to say, though. And, and when is that supposed to happen, particularly when we're talking about our family gatherings here? And so here's what I encourage people to do. I encourage them in two ways. Um, first, if you're just not sure about the speaking praise out, I would say become a student of the Psalms. Begin to read through the Psalms. And as you read through the Psalms, you will find phrases that are descriptive of who God is. The Psalms are full of them. And so what you do as you're reading those Psalms and you see those phrases, you pull them out. And you adopt them in your own worship and praise vocabulary. You just make it part of you. God God is good with that. You're not stealing. He, he said, take it, take it. And so you make that part of your worship and praise vocabulary. Another way is um, listen to how other people worship. Just listen. There are some people who are very eloquent or they use phrases in worship. And if you hear that, you go, I like that. I'm going to take that. They don't care. They don't care. I like that. that that's really good. That's mine now. And we begin to incorporate it into our, as we speak praises out to God. When do you do it? Well, in church, I think a great time to do it is so, so this morning, if we think back to as Pastor Aaron led us in worship, um, what happens is there's a, when he comes to an end of a song, he doesn't just stop, but there's a musical interlude. Uh, the music continues to play. That is a perfect time to speak out praise to God, just to begin to speak in that space. And that's why the space is actually created. Well, that's why we don't go from song to song to song to song. We allow some space in there. So in that time, uh, pulling from the Psalms and worship, so the music's playing and we would go, God, you are my rock, you are my fortress, you are my deliverer, you are my healer, you are my foundation. You are not like shifting sand, but I can stand on you, I can trust you because you know about every detail of my life. You care about me, you're my covering, you're my fortress, you're the banner over me, you're the love. And every one of those phrases just came from the Psalms. Every single one of them. And so speaking is a very valid biblical way of expressing praise to God. Let's look at the second one. Singing as an expression of worship. This is our most common. It's what we spent time doing this morning. Singing as an expression of worship. What does the Bible say about singing? Let's read Psalm 30 verse 4 together. It's going to come on the screen. You ready? Let's go. Sing the praises of the Lord. You, His faithful people, praise His holy name. It's biblical, right? Sing the praises of the Lord. Sing the praises of the Lord. Um, Singing, like uh, speaking, is a pretty simple concept. In the same way that we use our voice and our mouth to form words to speak out, we do the same with singing, except that we use our voice and we use our mouth, and instead of speaking those words, we put them to a song. We put them to a melody. We begin to sing. In our worship, we begin to sing out to the Lord. And so um, in our worship, instead of uh, saying, Oh, Lord, I love you. I lift my voice up to you. Instead, we would do something like this. 
I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice. It's pretty simple. And it's the kind of thing that we do every week. And we provide the words. How much easier could it get? The words are there for you. And so we just begin to sing it. But it's important that as we're singing it, that there's something registering in our heart, in our mind, uh, that we're not just... Let me ask you, have you ever gotten in the car and gone on a trip? And when you get to your destination, you remember, you don't remember anything about the trip. That's scary, isn't it? Sometimes in our worship times, we can do the same thing. We can get to the end of the worship and think, I don't remember anything about that. That's not the kind of people we want to be. Instead, we want, as we're singing out these words, we're wanting them resonating in our heart that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to them. Um, It doesn't always happen through the words that are on the screen. Sometimes in private worship and sometimes in our family worship, um, it can happen... uh, this way, let me let me give you an illustration. When I was a when I was a kid, I, I just loved to sing, and I sang all the time. And I was also a latchkey kid. How many know what a latchkey kid is? Everybody know? Yeah. In other words, my mom worked, and I came home after school, and I was at home by myself about an hour and a half, and I turned out pretty good. You know, I mean, I, I haven't had to go to therapy or anything for that. You know, I just learned how to take care of myself. But in that hour to hour and a half, I had the entire house to myself and I just sing. I would sing and sing and sing. But the songs that I would sing were never songs that had been written on paper, never a melody. But they were songs that I would make up about what was going on in my life right now. And I would just sing and sing and sing to the top of my lungs. So now take that concept and translate it over in singing to the Lord. There are times, the Bible would talk about singing a new song where we would make a song up to the Lord that had never been written. It's never been published. It's never been recorded. There are no musical notes to it, but we just begin to sing out as an expression of what's going on in our heart to God. And we go, God, I love you. You are my healer, God. There's no one like you. Thank you for all you've done for me. I give you praise, Lord. Nobody's ever written that song down. And that song may never be sung that way again, but it's a song that's in my heart that I can sing. That's a new song to the Lord. And let me say this. Uh, As a a teenager, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And this is what we believe as a church. I hope this doesn't catch anybody as surprise. But I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and the Lord uh, gave me the ability to pray in a language that I'd never learned, uh, a heavenly, a prayer language. And there are times when I don't know how to pray or I don't know how to praise, and I just begin to lift up to the Lord a song in a language that I've never learned. It's my heavenly language. And I sing that out to the Lord, and the Lord knows what I'm saying. But the, the, the purpose or the thought is there is power in our song. Why is our song so powerful? I think about um, Paul and Silas, the story in Acts chapter 16. Uh, Paul and Silas, it says they were in jail. And at about midnight, they began to sing praises to God. And as they were singing, it says that an earthquake occurred. And as that earthquake occurred, there was a shaking of the place where they were. And as that shaking happened, the, the, the prison doors were open and the chains that were holding them were let loose. Now, move that over into worship. 
the power of our song is we're lifting these songs up to the Lord and we're very mindful about what we're doing and we're proclaiming who God is. Is it could it be that there would be some kind of uh, in the spiritual realm, an earthquake that would happen that would affect our souls, that would affect, affect our spirits, the hard places of our heart and suddenly places where we've been in bondage through the power of our song. There's release that happens and there's freedom. Listen, there's power in our song. It's a valid expression of worship. Let me give you a third one associated with our voice. It's shouting as an expression of worship. This one can kind of scare people. Shouting as an expression of worship. What does the Bible say? Let's look at Psalm 66, 1, and let's read it together. You ready? Go. Shout to joy to God, all the earth. I didn't do very good. Let's read that again. You ready? Go. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. It's another simple concept. Instead of speaking words, instead of me saying, uh, yes, Lord, I speak in a louder voice. I say, yes, Lord. You see, what happens in our worship is really an expression. Our expressions of worship are expression of what's going on inside of us. It's what's going on inside of our heart. So there's sometimes in worship where uh, to simply speak soft words out to the Lord. Say, yes, Lord, I love you. I trust you with all my heart because you are the God who cares. And there are other times where I would want to sing that. Uh, I trust you, Lord. You're the God who cares and I offer my life to you. But there are other times where I want to go, yes, Lord. I trust you because there's something going on in my heart that that is welling up. And it's a shout, a shout out to the Lord. Um, Oftentimes when we're worshiping, so when would the appropriate time for shouting occur in church? Um, Same thing. Oftentimes in the musical interludes, we may speak out words, but it's in that time. So one of the songs we sing is your name, your name is victory. Your name, your name is victory. Uh, Let's say when we're singing that song, uh, we're finishing up and God just speaks to my heart. And he says, you are victorious through me. And I go, yes, Lord, we have victory through you. And I thank you for the victory. Music's playing people around me. I'm not disturbing anyone. I'm just shouting out praises to the Lord. It's a very biblical expression. It's valid in our worship. Here's a fourth one associated with our voice. And it might seem contradictory, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. And it's silence. Silence as an expression of worship. What does the Bible say? Let's read Habakkuk 2.20. Are you ready? Let's go. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Let all the earth. There are times in our worship for silence. Um, silence, quite simply, is the absence of words. So what does it look like in, in worship? Let me model it for you. It looks like this. Got a little uncomfortable, didn't you? That's what happens sometimes with silence. We get a little uncomfortable. We're a little frightened. But listen, here's why silence is so important. So we've been speaking out praise. We've been singing out praise. We've been shouting out worship to the Lord. And then in those moments of silence, we create a space where what we've been saying to God about God, he speaks back to us and he says, yes, that's true. And that's what I'm doing in you right now. That's what I'm working out in you. 
You can count on it. You can trust it. So in the silent times, when we create space, God speaks back to us and he affirms his word to us. Much of what we've been singing or what we've been praising about. So there are four associated with a voice. Now let's move on to two more. These two are associated with our posture. And the first one is bowing as an expression of worship. Bowing as an expression of worship. What does the Bible say? Let's read together Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7. You ready? Let's go. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. It's pretty simple. It's right there. It's biblical. Come, let us bow before the Lord in worship. Bowing is the ultimate sign of respect. Uh, uh, bowing before someone says, I recognize your presence and I recognize your importance. I recognize your presence and I recognize uh, your, your importance. Um, bowing in worship is an act of submission. It's saying, uh, I bow before you, Lord, and I declare that you are the ruler of my life. I come under your care. And I submit to you. I submit every area of my life to you. That's, that's what bowing does. Bowing can look very different for different people in worship. Uh, we may be in worship and you just, where you're standing, you simply bow your head because of what God's doing in you. And you bow your head and you're singing, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul rejoice. Or you might be sitting at your seat. And as you're worshiping, you just feel your something's going on inside of you. And you just feel yourself being pulled down. And you sing, take joy, my king, in what you hear. Maybe you feel something really special going on. And you just feel like I'm in the presence of the almighty God. And I want to bow before him. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. In your ear, I love you, Lord. I give you praise. I thank you for your presence in this place. What we're doing is we're acknowledging that the God of the universe is there. And that he is worthy. He is worthy of our uh, acknowledgement that we would recognize his great importance. Let me give you another one. Um, standing. <laughs> standing as an expression of worship. Yes, standing is an expression of worship. I know there are sometimes people say, why do we have to stand so long when we worship? Standing is a valid expression of worship. Let's see what the Bible says. Let's read together Exodus thirty-three ten through 11. You're going to finish before I do because I have a little bit more in my notes. You ready? Let's go. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Just like bowing, standing is actually, uh, it's, it's respect. It, it, it's honor. I acknowledge your presence. I acknowledge your importance. If you go to a wedding and the bride comes in, what do you do? You stand. You stand up. Uh, if you find yourself in court, I hope that you don't. But if you find yourself in court and the judge comes in, what do you do? You stand up because you're saying, I recognize that this person is important and I acknowledge their presence in this place. Listen, in worship, we have to recognize that standing is not just simply a ritual, something we do because we stand when we sing. But standing recognizes 
I am truly in the presence of Almighty God, the creator of the universe, and he is worthy of my praise. And so I stand to attention and I give him everything I have, everything I am. Uh, we, we acknowledge his importance. We acknowledge his presence. We acknowledge the fact that we have been graced by his presence. And so therefore we want to stand because he's there. So we've looked at six expressions of worship. We've got two more to go. The last two have to deal with uh, worship expressions associated with our hands. The first one is clapping as an expression of worship. Clapping. Uh, We do this one pretty well. Actually, I've kind of observed in church over the years that uh, clapping is almost done too well sometimes. Sometimes we clap and we don't even know what we're clapping at. We clap between songs. We just clap, 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 clap. You know, song, 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 clap, 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 song, 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 clap, clap, clap. Um, I'm I'm not downplaying it. I'm just saying we should really recognize the importance of clapping. So what does the Bible say? Uh, Read with me Psalm 47, verse 1. You ready? Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. There it is. Clap your hands. Um, There are some common connections associated with clapping. Uh, Clapping can be to welcome. If we had a guest speaker today, um, the guest speaker, I would have introduced them and I would say, would you you join me in welcoming? And we would have all clapped. Um, Clapping can be uh, in sign of victory. The winner is. And so what do we do? We clap for the winner. Or clapping can be a sign of agreement. You hear a speech. You agree with what the speaker said. And at the end, you clap. And you're saying, I agree with everything you said or most everything you said. And I'm I'm acknowledging that. Um, In our worship... Um, there are some common connections with wor- uh, clapping in our worship. Throughout the Old Testament, we see examples of people striking their hands together to seal a covenant or to seal an agreement. So a covenant agreement was made and there was a striking of the hands to say, yes, this is settled. This is it. We can transfer that over to worship. This is why understanding clapping is so important. When we clap in worship, what we're saying is, God, I agree with what your word says about who you are, and I am going to apply it to my life. I agree with what we've just sung about you, and I'm going to apply it to my life. There's a ceiling. There's a clapping. There's an agreement that's happening. That's the importance behind clapping. That we don't do it just nervously. We're not, we're not clapping because the song we just sang was so pretty or so great. But we're clapping because the song made us recognize how great God is. And so we clap. We clap unto the Lord. Oftentimes you'll see me uh, in worship. Uh, if, we, if there's a time we're clapping, I usually will raise my hands up. And that's to signify, Lord, I'm clapping to you. I'm not clapping to anybody in the room. No offense. I'm not clapping to anybody on this platform. My, my applause is to you because I agree. I agree with who you are, and I'm going to apply it to my life. Let's look at one last one. Uh, Lifting our hands as an expression of worship. Lifting our hands as an expression of worship. This one often gives people a hard time. Um, I don't understand why you would lift your hands. Or I got hit by somebody last week in church because they lifted their hands and they weren't mindful of me. It has happened. What does the Bible say? Let's read together Psalm 134, verse 2. You ready? Let's go. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. How much more honest can you get? Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. If you're a fan of old westerns, you're accustomed to hearing the phrase in the old western, stick them up. And when it comes, it's usually over the barrel of a shotgun or a pistol. And you understand that there is, a, there is a, an expectation that you're going to stick up your hands and surrender. Listen, that's not how it is in worship. God does want our surrender. 
But he's never going to force us to do that. He leaves the choice up to us. But as we worship and we find ourselves something going on inside and we begin to lift our hands, it's a way to say, I surrender. It's a way to say, I'm all yours, Lord. I love you, Lord. There's something, there's something about lifting up our hands in worship that releases us into a new realm. So uh, I've been modeling this. So you're going to model this this time. Make sure your hands are clear right now. Everybody clear, clear your hands. Clear your hands. And um, I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to say, stick them up. <laughs> I got a gun. I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I want us to all, if you will, you don't have to. I'm not forcing you to. But I want you to lift your hands and just say with me, Lord, I surrender to you today. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. Lord, I surrender to you today. Can we put your hands down? That wasn't that hard, was it? Did anybody get hit? Anybody get knocked in the head? No, not at all. It's just, it, and you know, nobody's forcing you to do it. And I was talking to someone after church, and he said, as a, as a guy from a Presbyterian background, it took me 25 years to get from here to here. And that's okay. Here's the point. He took the first step to go here. And because he took that step, he could go here, and he could go here, and he could go here. Remember, it's about what's going on in your heart. It's an expression of what's going on in your heart. So we've looked at eight biblical expressions of worship. Um, Again, I said probably the most simple and most practical message you'll ever hear me teach, but I think the impact is profound because God is doing something in us as a church, as a family, and he wants to take us deeper. He wants to take us more, but we have to cooperate with that. And one of the ways we cooperate is through our worship and our praise. God is asking more from us. I want to close with just a, a very personal story. Um, our youngest son, Zach, is 28. He'll be 29 in, uh, on October 17th. He was born in Burbank, California at St. Joseph's Hospital. Uh, we were so excited for him to come. And shortly after he was born, within minutes after he was born, uh, the doctor came in and said, there's a problem. Uh, it appears that there's a problem with your son's heart. He's blue from the waist down. And it would appear that uh, possibly one of the valves in his heart is not working like it should. That, that would be an indication of this blue color. And so they said, we want to, uh, we believe we need to airlift him to another hospital that can, where they would specialize in this kind of thing. And so they began to prepare us that this was pretty serious and that we may not see our son again. In fact, a nurse uh, took a Polaroid, a snapshot of Zach as an infant and gave it to my wife, gave it to Cammie and said, I want to give you this because you may not see him again. Poor taste, really bad, bad side manner. Don't ever, don't ever do anything like that. It did not help the situation. Um, They put him in a a neonatal intensive care unit, and they took me down to where he was. And so interestingly enough, without any exaggeration, he was the only baby in that particular unit that they put him in. That just seemed really strange to me. And not only was he the only baby there, but as I can recall, it seems like there was nobody anywhere around. It was almost like it was in this vacant place in the hospital. There was a rocking chair in the room. They said, why don't you sit in the rocking chair? Uh, would you like to hold your, your son? And I said, of course I would. And so uh, they put Zach in my arms and they left. And I was in that room with just me and Zach. And I sat holding my newborn son. Um, uh, apparently there was some kind of heart issue that was very serious. And I just began to rock him. 
and I began to rock him and I just began to speak praises to God as I held him and then I began to just sing over him God you're the healer and I ask that you heal my son take away whatever would cause the problem in his heart you are the mighty God and then because I have been able to pray and sing in that heavenly language, I just began to pray in the Spirit because I didn't know how to pray. And I just began to pray in the Spirit over my son. And it seemed like I had him for just such a long time. It may have been only for a few minutes, but in a, later the nurse came back and she said, we need to take him now because we're getting ready to, to transport him. And just as they were doing that, uh, the doctor checked him one last time and came back and said, I'm not sure what happened. But the heart problem's gone. If whatever was there, he's not blue anymore. And um, when we listen to the heart now, it sounds like it's all working right. You know how that happened? It happened through the power of praise. I believe that, that something happened. There was, a, there was that spiritual earthquake in the spiritual realm that opened up healing power that flowed out to my son and suddenly his heart was healed we don't know all the details we will never know but what we know is what they said could be was no longer there and God touched him and healed him there is power in praise and worship God has more for us as we open ourselves up to it would you stand pray. Father God, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for all that you're doing. We give ourselves to you right now. And we just ask that you would help us become a people of praise to a greater degree. We want to experience more and more and more of who you are. So we give ourselves to you as sacrifices of praise. Work it out in us, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.